Lord Jesus, we, we are excited, God, to see prophecy, Lord, coming to pass right in front of our eyes. I mean, it, it's, it's just amazing to me. I've never seen so, much, so many things, so many events, so many countries falling into place ever in my walk with you, Lord. And that makes it exciting. And it's not just we see how real the Bible is, but, God, it means that I get to be with you. We get to be with you soon. And that, that Lord, is probably the greatest and most important, most exciting thing for me. And, Lord, as we come before you today, we thank you that you are already here with us. We feel your presence. We feel the Holy Spirit, God, as we've been worshiping. And now, Lord, as we open your word, God, speak to us. May we hear your voice clearly. I pray you, you take away all the distractions that are in our mind, the things are, that are vying for attention, Lord. But may we totally lock our eyes upon you and what you want to say to us today. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Now anoint this time with your spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I heard about how someone who was up late watching TV uh, and, and then he, he, I read about how he fell asleep in bed. He wrote how he went into this dream where he was going up uh, the river in a boat. And then the boat started sinking. He felt the ice cold water on his legs. Then he felt the water going up to his waist. Then suddenly he woke up to find he had spilled his iced tea all over himself. <laughs> I used to joke with the kids when they were small. And I'd joke and say, hey, you know, I had a dream last night. I dreamed I ate this giant marshmallow. It's the biggest one I ever saw. And then I woke up and my pillow was gone. <laughs> well, that's a joke. But sometimes, yeah, dreams come true. And that's what we're going to see here as we return to our study in the book of Daniel. Today, we find out the meaning of the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. God gives the interpretation to Daniel and we find you know what's amazing? That part of this prophecy is still to come, but part of this prophecy already happened. And ultimately, in all of this, we will, it will finally come to pass completely. So I've titled our message this morning, When Dreams Come True. When Dreams Come True. We're going to be studying Daniel chapter 2 from verse 25 through 49 this morning. As I said, we're we're going to pick up where he left off, a little cliffhanger last time. And so we're going to finish the story and finish this chapter. And our outline here today is this. Number one, the recognition. Number two, the revelation. And number three, the reaction. So let's begin here. When dreams come true, our title, Daniel 2, our first heading in our outline, the recognition, the recognition. All right, take a look with me here now, Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to cover 25 through 30 here, but first, 25 and 26. Verse 25 says, Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared, like answer to Daniel, and said, Who's whose name was Belteshar. Remember, that was the, the Babylonian name that was given to Daniel. Uh, are you able to make known to me the dream that I've seen and its interpretation? We'll stop there. So we begin this morning in how Arioch, who was the captain of the king's guard. Remember, we saw last time he was the one tasked to actually kill all the royal advisors and now he brings daniel to king nebuchadnezzar to say hey hey i found this guy that he knows your dream he's going to give the interpretation and i think it's kind of funny how Ariok, the captain comes in and he says i have found the man i have found the guy who can tell you about your dream and all because it's kind of funny because we saw last time actually daniel actually daniel went to Ariok, right he came to Ariok and said hey look I know. And, and so the king's like, Daniel, are you able to make known the dream I have and give them an interpretation? 
So it's kind of funny to me that Ariok would come and, and bring Daniel like he's the guy. Maybe it's a reward. Maybe it's something, you know, that he's going to receive. So the, so the captain of the guard brings in Daniel with the interpretation. Now, just stop for a moment. Remember last week in the first part of chapter 2, we saw the king had this troubling dream, right? He couldn't sleep. He had this dream. Perhaps we speculated it went over and over that night or, or in a succession of nights consecutively. He dreamed the same dream. But it was dreams he dreamed. It was the same dream. So you remember he called in his royal advisors to give him the interpretation. But he tested these seers by requiring them first to tell him the dream without the king telling them what the dream was. Well, we we saw that last time. They went back and forth, and finally they confessed to the king. We don't know. Only the quote-unquote gods know something like that, right? If you missed the the study, you can grab the CD later or listen to the podcast. Now, or go online. The messages are posted there on our website. Well, Nebuchadnezzar got super upset and saw through their falseness how fake they were. They, they were deceiving him and all this time, saying that, oh yeah, we can talk to the spirits, we can hear you know, what they say and guide you and all that. So he ordered all the royal advisors to be executed, which included the junior advisors, Daniel and his three friends who had just been trained up, right? And, and, and in this position that we saw in chapter 1. Well, in the middle of the night, uh, actually in the middle of an all-night prayer meeting, they got together and prayed. God gave Daniel the dream and the meaning. So Daniel now comes to the king with the dream and the meaning. So Daniel responds to the king now in verse 27. Look at that. Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers, these are the royal advisors, can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. So this is something nobody can do. Even me, I can't do, basically saying. But, verse 28, there is a God in heaven. It's like for us saying today, there, but there's a God of the universe. Yeah? He's the one, verse 28, who reveals mysteries. In other words, this, this meaning of the dream that nobody knows. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. Verse 29, to you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. In other words, after the Babylonian kingdom. And put this in your mind, what we're going to see in this dream and in this interpretation concerns the world governments, the Gentile world governments that are to come after nebuchadnezzar and what's going to happen in the latter days which means like the end times so daniel says to you o king as you lay in bed uh, came thoughts verse 29 of what would be after this and he who reveals mysteries god made known to you what it is to be daniel saying look this is god talking to you this is god wanting to show you this dream or what the meaning of the dream is and then verse 30 daniel says but as for me this mystery has been revealed to be not because of any wisdom that i have more than all living it's not me but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know or understand the thoughts of your mind or what has been troubling you in your mind. So Daniel basically says, look, no one can do this, which is amazing. I mean, you've you got to think about Daniel at this point. It's probably it's been three years. He was a teenager taken, we saw in chapter 1. So we speculate maybe he's around 18 years old. He's still a teenager here. And he's not there, yeah, look at me kind of thing, right? He's like, hey, no one can, can do this, but only the one true God can give you this, what you ask, the dream and interpretation. And he's telling me, look, God, it's not me. God just revealed it to me. I'm not wise. I don't have some superpower here or something like that. No, God has done that. Really, it's because God wants you to understand this, that God is working in the world. Interesting, yeah? So Daniel explains, it's not me, like Ariok was saying, hey, I brought this guy, you know. But it is God who has done this. Daniel gives 
you know what? The recognition to the Lord. Yeah, He gives that recognition, our, our heading here. It's all of God. I love this. I love what Daniel's doing. You know, it's very similar. It's the same thing of what Joseph said to Pharaoh. Remember Pharaoh had a dream? In Genesis 41, 15 and verse 16, it says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it and it is said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Just like Joseph here, Daniel said the same thing. So here's what we see right away in this first part. Daniel is clear it is not him, but it is God who is speaking here. Daniel is clear it is not him, but it is God who is speaking here. And that's something I think we've got to put into our minds and think about just for a moment. God is using Daniel, speaking through Daniel to speak to the king. And, and that's, that's the idea. And Daniel knows it. Daniel says, hey, no, this is for you. You know, this is God speaking to you, not me. You know, I was thinking about when I was 14 years old. It was only like my third time in church. And the pastor up on stage said, said what you need is Jesus. And suddenly that was like this light that turned on in me. I could see I need Jesus. You know, at that time, I've been searching for something that would give me purpose and meaning in my life. I've been looking for fulfillment, belonging, and, 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 and it just seemed like I was just going through a lot of pain and suffering. But when the pastor said that, it was like he knew what no one in the whole world knew, that the deepest need of my heart was revealed that I need Jesus. And I saw that it wasn't so much the pastor saying that, but it was God who was speaking to me. He wanted to speak to me. He wanted to heal me. He wanted to be the one in my life. And so I raised my hand to receive Jesus because what I needed was Jesus. Well, that's like Daniel here. He's telling King, look, it's not me. Understand it's not me. Don't, don't you know, look at me like I'm something special or I have some power or something. But it's God who knows the dream, God who knows the interpretation. He knows what's troubling you. He knows what you need right now. It's God who is speaking here, and he's reaching out. Listen, that's what God does. God is reaching out to you and I today through his his word as we're studying. He reaches out to you and I every day we open the Bible and we read it. He knows what you need. He knows what's troubling you. He wants to help you. And we need to respond to him. And, and listen, that's important, isn't it? I mean, what would happen if at this point we read, well, Nebuchadnezzar just said, ah, forget it, I don't want to hear. Ah, you know what, if it's that, nah, forget it. He would have lost out God's message to him. He, if, what if he said, oh, you're just, you're just this Jewish boy, what are you going to tell me, yeah? But Daniel said, look, it's not me. Yeah, that's me. I'm nothing. I'm just a messenger. But God is the originator of the message. You know, I, 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 I try and ask myself when I read the Bible in the morning or if I sit through a sermon or anything, you know, I, I, I'm asking myself, do I hear the Lord? Am I listening for God to speak? You know, I tell myself, stop. Listen. What am I reading here? Take it as a word from the Lord. Are you doing that? Or do we look at the messengers and say, I don't like that? Or do we look past the messenger and see that God is really the one who's listening? Well, let's go on to number two here, the revelation, the revelation. When dreams come true, we see the recognition right away. And now the real meaty part here of our, our passage here, the revelation. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, it says, You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. Now Daniel begins to give him his dream. Remember, he he held the dream back. He wanted the seers to tell tell the dream, but they couldn't. But God gave the dream to Daniel. So Daniel says, You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone 
was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, then, then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer. Uh, of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found but the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth so we see here now daniel gives the dream to nebuchadnezzar and again remember that uh, nebuchadnezzar never told anybody anything of this and like he was testing advisors but here's his dream, and I'm going to put up a, a picture here on the screen. It's a depiction of what of guys thought, you know, with, from the Bible, what it must have looked at. Now, in this dream, in this first picture, remember Daniel says, you saw this great image. There was this big, huge, shiny statue, and, and it was frightening, he says here in our passage. In other words, I think he saw this awesome, huge thing, and it gave him like this sinking feeling like, whoa. I've never seen anything that big. I, 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 what is this, right? You go to the next picture. Um, the head, Daniel says, was made of gold. The chest and arms are made of silver. And then here in our passage say, says the middle, which is the stomach, it means, and the thighs, which I believe it's talking about the upper thighs, the part which attaches to the body. Now, this was all made of bronze and then the legs are made of iron and the feet was a mix partly of iron and partly of clay then nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream this stone that was not cut by human hand so it was like this giant rock yeah and and it 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 came out struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke it into pieces you could put the next picture up um, picture three there and then the whole statue like broke apart into tiny pieces so much so that it was like chaff or, or rubbish parts of chaff is the rubbish parts of the wheat you know the shell when they when they're on the threshing floor and the wind takes it blows it away the whole statue just got uh, disintegrated pulverized and just blew away in the wind like dust and then in this dream that that stone became a great mountain in others it was established over the whole earth and that's what daniel says so Nebuchadnezzar did not tell anyone his dream. But isn't this amazing? Daniel shares it down to every detail. Isn't that amazing? I want to pause for a moment. Can you imagine what the king is feeling at right now? I mean, this is the dream he had. I believe he had like chicken skin all over his arms, you know. The so-called royal advisors, the, those astrologers, seers, sorcerers, the wise men, and remember the Chaldeans in chapter 1? And, and, you know, they could not know what was in Nebuchadnezzar's mind. They didn't know what the dream was. But, as our title was last week, no one knows but God, right? No one knows. And God gave the dream to Daniel. So certainly this was a huge witness to Nebuchadnezzar that this is God and God had told Daniel and Daniel's with God. All right, so what does this dream mean? I mean, that, that's the real part, right? So Daniel goes on to say, look at verse 36. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. Notice how it says now we. I, I like that because with Daniel are his prayer partners, right? He got his prayer partners, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to pray. And they've come in with Daniel as Daniel presents the dream and interpretation. So they're in there with Daniel in support. Verse 37. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory. And verse 38, and into whose hand he is given, wherever they dwell, the children of men, the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, making you rule over them all. You are, what? The head of gold. Now the head of gold, you can show the next picture. That represents King Nebuchadnezzar. And also the Babylonian Empire. And I like what Daniel's saying here in verse 37, 38, that God basically has put him there. He's the one who set him up. He's the one who set up the kingdom, Babylon, as the current world government ruling the known world at that time. Nebuchadnezzar is the current world ruler right now. And so he's like this first 
Head of gold, world ruler. So the first part of the revelation, our heading here, the meaning of this dream, the interpretation, number one, is that head of gold represents King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. Now, they ruled from 630 to 538 B.C. You know what's interesting? In a, uh, this ancient historian, Herodotus, had visited Babylon, and he wrote this. The city has more gold than any other city I've ever visited in my life. Gold leaf on the palaces and on the public buildings. It oozed, he said, out of every pore of Babylon. Interesting. So Babylon's like known for gold and, and, and putting gold into their city. And they're known for that. And so this head is like gold. Interesting now. Then Daniel goes on in verse 39. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you. And yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth. So we get a clue here. Now, first of all, we understand it's Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian Empire kingdom there. And then so another kingdom. So another world ruling power government is going to come in it's going to be inferior not not as strong not not like you know gold they were little inferior they're going to rise come in after you and then even yet verse 39 says another third kingdom is going to come after them of bronze and look it says rule over all the earth so again we're talking about world government uh world empire here so what we see the next one after babylon and the next part of the statue is what the chest of arms of silver. That was the next world kingdom to come. And you could put up that picture. And after that, there's a third world power to come, which represents the stomach and upper thighs. And you could put up that picture of bronze. Now, who are these countries? I mean, what is going on? Let me tell you. At this time, Nebuchadnezzar was right there, right? What Daniel's talking about was going to what was going to come after Babylon. Well, for us, we have the advantage of looking back on history. For them, it's all future. But for us, we can look back on history and see what the next two world governing powers were. So, going back now to that second, um, uh, the chest and arms of silver. You can look at that picture. This represents the Medes and the Persians. They governed the known world from 538 to 330 B.C. Almost 70 years Babylon ruled. Then Darius came and conquered Babylon, which we're going to cover in Daniel chapter 5. By the way, Darius, or King Cyrus, was the one who allowed the Jews to return to the homeland, which was prophesied by Isaiah, right? Part of what Nehemiah did and all that. And I'll tell you what, it's interesting that Darius set up a taxation system where conquered countries and and lands had to pay the king in taxes with silver. Interesting. Some commentators even add that the two arms represent the two people groups, the Medes and the Persians who were together at this point. Then the next world power was back to that uh, picture of the stomach and upper thighs of bronze. And that represented the Grecian Empire when the Greeks came through. And we can look, look back now in history and see what's going on here. They governed the world, basically at the time, uh, from 330 to 663 B.C. You know what's interesting too with, with Greece coming in and being the world empire and the world government ruling? When Alexander the Great, right? He's the great conqueror. Came in with his armies. It is said that the Medo-Persian soldiers saw something they never saw before. Rather than what they wore like turbans and robes, right? This army came outfitted and I was thinking with new technology back then. They wore armor helmets they held shields that were made of bronze they perfected using bronze right and it was shining in the sun some even add that how later when alexander died the empire actually grecian empire split in two with two generals perhaps that's why the two thighs are even included here in in the bronze here so we see the babylonian empire the Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire. Now Daniel goes on, look at verse 40. 
And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. So this fourth world power is as strong as iron. And back then, think about that iron was the strongest material known at that time of Daniel. And you can put up the next picture. This army just shatters and crushes their enemies and every other country that was there before them. Who is this? Well, the fourth world power here in this statue, in this dream that Daniel gives, in the legs of iron, we can look back on history and know this is the Roman Empire. Because what came after Greece is the Romans. They came in. The wor- they were the world government from like 63 uh, B.C. to like 500 A.D. And there, there's little portions later. The Roman legions, as you know, they were known to be brutal unmerciful they crushed their enemies they would come in like a steamroller shattering everything crushing any resistance like nothing and you know it was at this time that rome the romans perfected perfected the use of iron and steel yeah in their society but more so in their armor and weapons interesting isn't that in and also, another thing people add is that in 395 A.D., the empire split, right? The Eastern Roman Empire and the Western Roman Empire. And I think even one of them were around to 1493. But perhaps some guys think, well, that's why it's the long legs, you know. I don't know, you know, not sure. But either way, the iron represents the Roman Empire. So you can see the statue of world governments as it represents going through history, Babylon, Medo-Persian, the Grecian Empire, and the Roman Empire. Well, what's next? Look at verse 41. Daniel goes on. Next in this dream, he interprets this. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmest of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. You could put that next picture up. And you could see this, this feet. It's like iron and clay mixed together. Verse 42, Daniel says, And as the toes of the feet were partly iron, partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay interesting here what he's talking about here's his feet and toes that are part clay part iron we see some things about this world governing powers as we we've been shown right these are world governments or empires and and that have gone down through history well this one this particular one the feet with the iron and clay mix we see a few things about this governing power it will be a divided kingdom right it'll be part strong and be like iron and be clay some weaker uh, uh, countries and all, but they'll be together. But it'll also hold a weak alliance because iron and clay, uh, even though they'll come together in marriage like this alliance, but the iron doesn't mix with clay and the alliance will not hold together, Daniel tells us here. And then I would like to add this, that this world government is the last world government before God sets up a new one. And we're going to see that in the next part of the stone. Uh, If you take a peek at verse 44, it says, and in the days of those kings. Now, that even tells us there's these leaders, these rulers of these probably countries or nations that form this alliance. Yeah, but it's not going to be strong. So what is this last world power before God sets up his kingdom? Because we will see the stone is Christ's kingdom. What is that? We don't know. We don't know. This fifth world power is still yet to be determined. It's in the future. But I believe it's in the near future. Now, there's some different theories out there. There's, I, I came across like four, maybe five different ones. But I just want to give you two of them that made more sense to me. Um, there's, first of all, there, there, uh, there's this theory that there's going to be 
a worldwide alliance of 10 regions of the world. And you could put up that map. There's going to be uh, uh, 10 regions in the world all coming together. And and they're going to make this alliance. Now, many believe the 10 toes represents these 10 areas or regions. But iron and clay uh, could be the mix of the old Roman Empire and the other parts of the world. And that's kind of the the thought. Now, this map that you're looking at, it's it's interesting. I bring this to you because um, this was something that the United Nations had put together. You see, they have this master plan of forming a one global community by 2030. And it's all for the effort to better the economic and, I quote, sustainability of the world. And if you might have seen in the news, you know, in the recent years, how they get together and they make agreements for climate change agreements and all of that, right? Why is that? It, it, yeah, they want to make the world better and we want to, you know, help, help the world and all that. But their agenda is to make a one world government, basically. And this is their map. This is their idea and how they want to do that. Their uh, 15-year plan is actually called uh, Agenda 2030. Some of you, some of you guys who, who I've talked to, basically this is the old Agenda 21, <laughs> kind of repackaged and, and put forward. So by 2030, they want to be like this. That's what they're heading for. That's what they're trying for. So I don't know. Maybe that's it. May, maybe not. Kind of interesting, though, that right now, you know, that's what the UN is trying to do. That's what governments are, are trying to, you know, come in agreement with. Now, there's another way or, or perhaps interpretation of this. And this is what most, uh, you know, uh, pastors and stuff believe in, though things change and things are changing. And uh, every day there's like, you know, things changing and prophecy becomes more clear and clear and what, what that exactly is. But most believe that uh, this, the ten toes, which later we're going to see in Daniel, ten kings and Revelation talks about ten kings and all. Uh, most believe that this will be an alliance of leaders, you know, from countries from the old Roman Empire. That the ten toes or this, this clay and all mix is going to be a revived Roman Empire. And you can put that map up. I think we got that in there. This is, this is the, the, by the end of, I think, second century, it says there, that this is the, what Rome uh, covered, what they ruled in that time. So many feel that out of these countries is going to rise up like a ten-nation leaders coming together, uh, some strong, some not. They're, they're going to come together, but they're not going to get along too well and all of that. And there's much more stuff we can talk about. We'll, we'll talk about that later when we get to Daniel with the beast and the Antichrist and all this stuff. By the way, that, that's the idea too, is that out of these ten kings or out of this, this world government, that is where the Antichrist is going to rise up and be a world ruler. So that, that's kind of the, the prequel here of what we're seeing. Now, for a long time, and I'll just throw this out, um, many have felt, and this is how I kind of grew up learning, that perhaps this, is, this ten nation uh, union is going to come out of the European union, union, the EU. And when the European Union form, everyone's like, whoa, is that it? Could that be it? You know, they bring down the borders. There's no borders anymore. They come out with their own coin. The coin is trippy even. Well, we'll talk about that later. I want to keep going. But, but there's, there's, there's a lot of crazy things. And, and then, again, it, it just seemed like perfect where this, that's where the world leader will rise up out of. And so we don't know exactly. I mentioned a, a number of years, or maybe last year it was, um, or the year before, uh, uh, Emmanuel Mac- Macron, or the, the, the president in France, interesting guy, um, he, as soon as he became president there, all he wanted was to strengthen the union of the EU, EU the European Union, and that's his effort if you see what he's doing. And um, uh, he just wants to get them together, let's get together, let's strengthen our bonds, everything. And then I was reading he proposed and is wanting to form a 
Nation Security Council on all of these nations. In the EU, there's more than 10 nations. But he wants to grab 10 of them, and they're going to be like the security council. They're going to be like the, the authority, the heads and all. And, and I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting here too. So all of this, though, we don't know. We speculate. We don't know for sure because all of this is yet to come to pass. But I believe this, you guys, that this is going to be the last world government. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's almost like it's starting to roll right now. It's starting to begin to come together right now, whatever that's going to be. And I say this because, you know what, globalism, you know what that is? Globalism, right? Which is no borders, we're going to be all one, yeah? One nation, the whole world. What is that? One world, one government, right? Globalism, you know, world without borders, is bigger than it's ever been, ever, ever. Right now, we're, we're living in it. And however this 10-nation thing is going to be fulfilled, you know what? I, I, I think it's coming together in that way, you know? I think this is how it's going to happen. Globalism through um, concern for the world economy. How about the world trade? You're hearing a lot of talk about that. Or about climate change, right? About the whole world. We've got to get together on that. It's all pushed toward uh, globalism, promoting globalism, and a way for the world to get together as one. All right. We don't know what it is, but those are some things you can think about. One more future world government, and this is the best, you guys. Verse 44. And in the days of those kings, again, the tentos, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. Right? Why do you say that? Think about what, where Daniel is right now, right? The kingdom uh, uh, of, of Israel, which is God's people, right? Gone, no more, right? After uh, Nebuchadnezzar came in and took the Jews and took Jerusalem, they had not had a king ruling to this day. The miracle is that they came back together in 1948. Israel was a country. But there's not a, a monarchy, so to speak. So, um, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, bronze, the, clay the silver, and the gold. I thought, if you guys want to put up this next picture, so it shows... The rock, yeah. And then, and then the next one. It's come, what, what is that one? It's breaking, yeah, it's breaking apart, yeah. And the next one. Oh, no, not that one. Not yet, not yet, go back. You could go back. Oh, well, anyway, I, I, I was trying to show a, a succession of the rock coming and coming and boom, hitting the, the feet. And then, then, then all of a sudden, you know, just the whole thing topples and just disintegrates. Anyway, the last kingdom will be the kingdom of God. This is what it is. The stone not made from human hand. Who is that? Jesus. Yeah? Jesus, right? Jesus, the Lord God, he's going to come establish a kingdom on earth when he returns a second time. And then, you know, from then on, he's going to be reigning forever. So the final kingdom is God's kingdom. And it's ruled by Jesus Christ. Psalm 118.22 says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Amen, yeah? Praise the Lord. I can't wait for that. Now, just so you understand, at the end of the seven-year tribulation, that's when Jesus is going to return his second coming. That's when um, the armies of the Antichrist, we find this in Revelation, they're going to meet in the Valley of Megiddo. Armageddon. They're going to come and meet China or, or the kings of the east. We believe China is going to come. And then from the north, we believe Russia. They're going to all come together and they're going to battle. But then Christ is going to come. They're going to turn to fight Christ. But Christ, by his word, yeah, the sword in his mouth, poof, that's it. They're done. And from then on, Christ will set up his rule on the earth in Jerusalem. 
And that's going to be a thousand year reign on the earth. And after that, he's going to make a whole new heaven and earth. And, and, and then it's going to just go on forever after that with Christ ruling as king. That's why he says it's going to be forever. It's going to stand forever, God's kingdom. So, verse 45, A great God is made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. So we'll stop there. Daniel affirms that what God has made known to Nebuchadnezzar is what will happen in the future. Remember, they're only looking to the future here. But for us, we can see four of the six prophecies of the world governments. You know, we see four of them that did happen. And the last two means what? They're going to happen, right? It's going to happen. You could put up that next slide now. So Daniel... You can see he spoke confidently in this first part of verse 45 that these things, they're going to happen as God said. Daniel knew without a doubt that these things would happen. We can, we can look back and say, yes, Daniel was right, right? That, that look, Babylon ruled the world once, the, the, the head of gold. Yeah? The Medes and Persians conquered Babylon and they ruled. And, and next, Alexander Great, the Great came and Greece conquer, conquered the Medes and Persians and then Greece ruled. And then the Romans came and the Roman Empire took over. Right? So you see the succession of each right, of, of these uh, metals. But what does that mean now? That means God will bring a revived Roman Empire. If, if, if we see this in history, then we know for sure, right? The, the feet of iron and clay mixed. That's going to happen. Some revived Roman Empire or ten-nation thing. And then after that, who's that? Bam. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus will be here. That's for sure, you guys. That's for sure. So when you look at that, you know for sure Jesus is coming. So Nebuchadnezzar's dream was what God used to reveal the world governments in the future. And that's, that. I just want to come to this point here with all of this. Nebuchadnezzar's dream was what God used to reveal the world governments in the future. You know, I was thinking about something David Guzik wrote. Since the fall of the Roman Empire, there's never been a world-dominating empire equal to Rome. Many have tried, the Huns, Islam, the so-called Holy Roman uh, 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 Empire, the Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin, but none have succeeded. And I thought, hey, that, that is so true. No matter how powerful these leaders were, or Napoleon or Stalin came in or Hitler tried, you know, none were successful. They didn't succeed. But in the end, one will rise up as prophet prophesied and out of that as prophesied will come the antichrist and he will be a world leader but you guys we need not fear because we're not going to be here and his role is only going to be short-lived only seven years of tribulation then jesus will come and reign and that's what god says that's what god says guys do you believe what god says Perhaps maybe the events in the world, you know, it can make us uneasy sometimes. We can read the news or see what's going on in the Middle East or, or uh, Iran, you know, shooting missiles to uh, our soldiers, you know, in, over there in the Middle East. It, it, it can grip our hearts, you know. Uh, North Korea going starting to go crazy again. We, we know about that, right? But no fear, no worry. God knows. And we know what's coming up. God is our hope. And we can be at rest because we know he loves us and we can trust him because he knows. And you know what? He holds the future in his hands. And he holds your future. Know that. From what we've seen, the amazing things in this dream, the interpretation, know that. Well, let's finish up here quickly. The reaction. The reaction. When dreams come true, we see the recognition, the revelation, the reaction. So finally, Daniel 2 will finish off the chapter here, verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face, paid homage to Daniel, commanded that an offering and 
incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Okay, so King Nebuchadnezzar is floored, literally. He's overwhelmed with this revelation. This is the exact dream that he dreamed, and here's the interpretation, and he he couldn't believe it. He was just, just, just overwhelmed. And he, it says he paid homage. In other words, he bowed down. And it almost seems like he's worshiping David, but I believe he's like honoring David's God. And the only person he knows connected to that God is David. So he even ordered offering and incense to be given. And this is what the king did with his gods, right? So he did this in respect. It was, his only, it was the only way he knew to honor Daniel and his God. And, and because Nebuchadnezzar sees Daniel's God is the God of gods, and the Lord of over all kings, even himself. Nebuchadnezzar can only bow to the God who is far wiser and far more powerful than him. He, that's what he had to do. He's just humbled here. And so this is the reaction to the dream and its interpretation. And so verse 48, Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and a chief prefect over all the wise men of babylon so daniel gets rewarded and he's promoted to be basically a governor over the province you know of the area in babylon right there and he became the chief prefect or the head of all the royal advisors later we're going to see that they don't like that at all but he gets honored in that way and then lastly here verse 49 Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, that's the Babylonian names of his three friends over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. So Daniel wanted his friends to help him. You know, they're standing there with him to help him be over the province of Babylon, help him, you know, oversee that. So uh, Daniel asked the king that and the king allowed that. and, And so then Daniel could be more focused on serving in the king's court. So isn't this amazing? In the end, God brought Daniel and the others into their position. So our last point here this morning is this. God used a troubling dream to place Daniel and the others right where he wants them to be. And God's going to use them in that position. We're going to see that in the book of Daniel. God used a troubling dream to place Daniel and the others right where he wants them to be. I was thinking again what John Nelson Darby said. I had said this maybe a couple weeks ago. God's ways are behind the scenes, but he moves all the scenes which he is behind. Do you believe that? Do you believe God is sovereign? You know what I ask myself? If I do, then I must trust him. I must trust him that he will be there when I need him. I must trust him when it seems like he's not there. I must trust him that he will place me and bring me to the exact place he wants me to be. Though troubles might not look like God is there or God is working, but he is working behind the scenes and moving the scenes. Oh Lord, help me, help us to pray and let him rule our lives, yeah. And not take it into our hands. Oh, God, you're not doing this? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix the problem then. No, God is there. God, he knows the future. He's told us here. And we see it. Aren't we blessed to look back on history and see what has come to pass? That it happened as, as what was told? I feel like we're blessed, and that should speak to us today. I'm going to close with this. Years ago, before um, Iran became such a threat to Israel today, uh, Pastor Chuck, when he go to Israel, he, he got to be friends with some military heads, these generals and stuff, and, and he would share with them what the prophecies were saying about Iran, the Old Testament prophecy, like Ezekiel 38, 39, you know, they're going to come and attack. Well, you know what? They laughed at all. No, that could never happen. Nah. And this was years ago in, in the 70s. Well, then, I think it was 79, 1979, when the Islamic uh, revolution took place. The Shah was taken out of power. The, and then the government, the, um, the, the Ayatollah took over, right, of what we see today. Oh, so Pastor Chuck told the story. Suddenly, he was getting all these calls from these generals <laughs> wanting to know 
more about what he knew about the future. God knows the future. If you understand what God did in this, did in this chapter, you know what? You can have peace that God has everything in control. He knows the future of the world governments, of what's going to happen to this world. And he knows your future. And he is working things out. So let us find that we can trust God in what we see here today when dreams come true. Let's pray. Lord God, sometimes we're nearsighted, Lord, because all we see is what's going on around us. The trouble, the situations, the words that have been said, the actions that have been taken. Sometimes all we can see is an empty wallet. Sometimes all we hear is hurtful words. Sometimes all we feel inside of us is just pain and suffering and loss. But God, help us to see farther, God. Help us to see in your word today what you saw. You, you showed Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel a glimpse of what was to come in the future, down the road. Help us to look down the road. Maybe we can't see exactly what will happen. Maybe we don't understand, but we see you in that future. You are down the road. You are around the corner. You are right over the hill over there. You are right there in front of us, guiding us along the way. And God, help us to follow you. To not be influenced, to not be moved by emotions, our flesh, of the things right around us, but help us to be farsighted. Because there you are, Jesus. You will one day rule and reign on this earth and all this junk that we see today will be gone. I can't wait for that day that the perfect world government and the perfect king will be ruling and that's you, Jesus Christ. One day. And it seems like it's going to be so soon, Lord. But God, help us today to keep our eyes on you, Jesus. To put our hope in you, that you are taking care of things and you're taking care of me and us, Lord. And No matter what, Lord, help us to hold on and help us, Lord, to do our best to obey you as you guide us, as you navigate us through our troubling dreams and our troubling times, Lord. And just as Daniel and his friends said, they prayed, God, you came and you helped them. So help us now. I pray for anyone here today, God, that is in those troubling times and that it's hard to navigate. It's hard to keep going. And they're overwhelmed and in a, in a state of panic almost and, and you know, just feeling pressed down and, and, and just paralyzed by these things. God, I pray you come in right now with your Holy Spirit. Touch them. Give them peace, Lord. Release them, God, from this. And give them hope in you by all of this. God, you are Lord. You are God. You are sovereign. You are God of the universe and everything we see. And the God of the universe loves me and loves you. Loves all of us. And Lord, that's what I hang on to. Thank you, Jesus, so much. So Holy Spirit, come as we lift your name up now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's